0: back to the learning to sit still podcast. Now before we begin today's episode, I have a small favor to ask of you. Would you share this podcast with just one person? Word of mouth is still the best way to spread the word and I would greatly appreciate this if you could just go in there and you can send it by email or you can share it on your social media platform, but any way you'd like to share it would be wonderful. Now today, I would like to get back into our journey through the Daughters of Eve. I actually plan on sharing three different stories today, each with their own lessons, but they have a common thread. The first is found in Leviticus 24, 10 through 23. For most of us, the book of Leviticus brings to mind laws given by God to his people, but this section takes a brief pause to give us a look into how certain laws came into place through narration. We learned that a man has blasphemed the name of the Lord. He strove with another Israelite man in camp, and in the midst of it, his blasphemy came out, which was something that made me pause and think about my own behavior. When I am angry and upset, what comes out of my mouth? Someone once said that hot water does not change the contents of the tea bag; It merely brings out what was already there. This man probably had already blasphemed in his heart. He had already corrupted himself, and in a moment of anger, it came pouring out. I must guard my mind and heart, be vigilant to keep up everything that does not belong there by keeping my eyes focused on the Lord and spending time in his word. For this man, his actions would have a serious consequence. But what I found intriguing is that it was his mother who was mostly mentioned in the verses. Her name was Shalometh, of the tribe of Dan, and she was married to an Egyptian. Remember, there were some who did leave with Israel during their exodus. No doubt this led to some problems in the home and may very well have had a deep impression on their son. But the husband was only mentioned in passing. In fact, listen to this part of verse 10. This son of the Israelitish woman and a man of Israel strove together in the camp. They did not mention that it was their son, only hers. Did they hold her accountable for his lack of reverence to the Lord's name? I'm not sure why this is, but I did find it interesting and it made me think that my realm of influence may be even more important than I realized. Does God hold me accountable for those I influence? I believe he does. We have the ability to lead our friends or those who are watching us by the words we say and what we do. If we do things that are questionable, then they may feel their behavior or choices are okay because after all, so-and-so does it, why shouldn't I? We need to realize that we don't live life for ourselves. Everything we do has an impact on others and we must be aware of that. Of course, the choice to sin is on each of us individually as it was for this man. He would die for his blasphemy and a set of laws would be given regarding what to do in cases such as his. But I can't help but wonder how his mother's heart broke. As she heard his death sentence carried out, maybe she wondered if she could have done more to have prevented his death. May we live our life with others in mind to choose to be a positive influence on those God sends our way. The next story is in Numbers 25, verses one through five. While Israel was camped at Shittim, some of the men committed sin with the women of Moab. These women also called or invited the people to join them in sacrificing to their false gods And men said, yes, God was not pleased with this. And for their sin, they too would pay with their life. We see again the power of influence, the ability to cause someone to go astray by our words and deeds. These women knew what they were doing. They were on a mission and they managed to succeed in leading many away. But I must point out that it was the people's choice to say yes. They also knew exactly what they were doing. They agreed to worship other gods, even though God had made it very clear they were to have no other gods before them. It was as if they assumed they could do what they wanted and ask for forgiveness later. I don't know about you, but that seems like a presumptuous sin. And in Psalms 19, verse 13, we read, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. God extends grace. He says his grace is abundant. But sadly, some people see this as an opportunity to sin abundantly. This is a wrong mentality and shows a heart with little to no conscience. God's grace is not a license to sin, but a reminder of his goodness. And there when we fall, the Israelites who died that day were guilty of presuming upon the goodness of God, and they paid the penalty. May we keep their story in our hearts and minds when we are tempted to sin or follow after our own lust. And remember, again, people are watching. The final story actually ties into this one and follows right on its heels, taking the presumptuous sin to a whole new level. Verses 6 through 15 tell us the whole sad story. A man of Israel, we find out that his name is Zimri, a prince of the tribe of Simeon, brings into camp a girl from Midian, her name is Cosby, a daughter of Zer, who was also a prince of Midian. So here we have two people, not just anyone, but both from a royal background you could say. Households that have a standing in the community. I'm going to say that this this caught my attention immediately and set my wheels turning. What happened to cause them to sink to such a level? You see, not only did Zimri bring her back to camp with him, but verse 6 tells us that he brought her to his brethren in the sight of Moses and all the congregation of Israel. This is blatant disrespect to the elders, leaders, and above all, God and his laws. People had just died for their actions with the women of Moab, yet he thinks nothing of what he is doing is a dangerous place to be when sin has such a tight grip on you that you can walk past the consequences of your sin without it even bothering you at all. I am struggling to wrap my mind around what this man just did and his reasons. Did he think that because he was a prince he could do whatever he wanted? That his status would exempt him from the rules? Let me just state the obvious right now. No one, Is above God's law. No one is going to escape the consequences. We are all equal at the foot of the cross and in the judgment of sin. These two people thought they could do as they pleased and paraded around. This again shows a heart that has been corrupted by sin and a conscience that is seared. Aaron's son Phineas cannot stand by and let this happen. Grabbing a javelin, he runs both of them through where they were in their tent. Phineas is a great example of taking a stand against what is wrong. He did not passively let this continue, but actively did something about it. Now I am not saying we need to go grab a javelin every time there is a wrong taking place, but that when we can, let's speak out. Maybe we have a friend that is living in sin and we haven't said anything for fear we would lose their friendship, but are we really being a good friend? Maybe we saw a post on social media that was wrong and we said nothing. Passivity is not always a good thing and in fact can lead to more problems. I know that it's not easy to speak out. Trust me, I am someone who prefers to avoid conflict, but I also want to be known as someone who stands for what is right, a Phineas. God rewarded Phineas for his actions, calling him someone who was zealous for his God. That is a title I want to have, that I am someone who is zealous for her God. One other thing that I would like to point out from their story is going back to Zimri and Cosby's background, specifically Cosby's. She was a daughter of a prince, a girl who should have lived a life that was a good example. No doubt there were many who looked up to her as a role model. This should have encouraged her to make better choices. There are multiple stories of scandals that involve royalty all over the world. Most people enjoy those, but There are also many who understand their position of leadership and influence, and because of it, make sure they are careful before acting. Cosby allowed herself to be seduced by Zimri, to let her guard down and let her flesh guide her actions, resulting in a premature death. We are daughters of the king. We are royalty too, and we must live accordingly. Like I said earlier, there is always someone watching, and when we let our guard down, We are leaving them a poor example to follow. We have young girls that are looking to us, teenagers that are looking to older women. We are told that the older should teach the younger. What are we teaching them? What legacy are we leaving behind? Cosby left behind sorrow for her parents and shock for those that knew her saying, wow, she died such a horrible death because her choices led her there. May we use our realm of influence for good. Now, I said at the beginning that these stories are separate, but they share a common thread that ties them all together, and that is choice. Each person had a choice to make. The man who blasphemed, the people who chose to worship false gods, and the two royals. Every single one of them made a choice to sin, a conscious decision to sin, to give in to their lusts and let their guards down. They could have chosen to be like Phineas, who was zealous for God. Neither Choice happens by accident. Each is deliberate and thought through. When we choose to sin, it is a conscious moment. It's a conscious moment to ignore what we know is right and do what is wrong. When we choose to follow after God's law and keep his commandments, we have made the decision to do right. How can we help ourselves stay on the path of righteousness? Psalms 119.9-11 tells us the exact formula. Wherewithal shall young men cleanse his way? by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Our heart is at the root of it all. We must desire God with our whole heart. We must seek him with our whole heart. And we must hide his word in our heart, because out of our heart are the issues of life. Out of our heart, the mouth speaks, and may I say, the mind thinks. It is our heart that is desperately wicked, which is why we must give it to God, to seek him completely, because only then can we ensure that our feet stay within the path of life. The people in these stories didn't seek God. They could have. They had no desire to know God, but they could, and they died for their choice. My friend, Seek the Lord. His ways only are the ones that lead to life. Satan's ways may seem fun for now, but in the end, it only leads to death and disappointment and the life that is wasted. How tragic it would be for a believer to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and watch their entire life burn up before their eyes, to have nothing to give the one who died for them. Remember, we only have now to prepare for eternity. I pray that when we are tempted to sin, we will, we will remember the lives of these people and that the Lord would bring the words of Psalms 119 to our mind. And with that, I want to wrap up today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have a moment, would you leave me a review? That would be such a help to me. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I am on Facebook and Instagram as Sit Still My Daughter. And if you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, You can email them to me at learningtositstill at gmail.com or you can go to my website, www.sitstillmydaughter.com. I hope you have a wonderful day, my friends, and remember to take the time to sit still because it is in the still place that we know he is God.